0: And this is what it feels like like, 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 And this is what it feels like Look, the only reason I survived Cause it's special first
1: you get successful, then it gets stressful, you Michael burst. Shapiro, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, thanks for having me here. Dude, it's a pleasure, man. You were you were covering the rockets uh, most of the time in the bubble. And it was it was cool hearing your questions and you know, I can see your tweets and I enjoy your articles. Now you're now you're more national, which is pretty awesome. Um, you talked to Howard Beck and those guys, and and it's good you know, to, to get your analysis on what's going on with the Rockets this season, of course. And I, I'm pretty sure you you have your opinion towards what's going on. You know, Kevin Porter Jr. played last night, 13 points, 10 assists. Not bad. Uh, not bad for the first night, the way he read the floor pretty well. Um, uh, my pity, Tucker's absence was weird in a way. Uh, it was confusing. I was like, everybody was like, where's Tucker? Is he on the bench or is, is he He's there? Is he not playing? Like, what's going on? And then you got the speculations of him being traded today with Ben Malcolm Moore and, and you know, Eric Gordon and uh, in a way he gets injured for six weeks. So, I mean, let's talk about Kevin Point Jr. man. What's your, what's your thoughts on that, man?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it was certainly an encouraging debut uh, for Porter and the Rockets. He really kind of showed the playmaking flair. I think that was kind of promised when he came over from Cleveland, you know, um, Coach Silas kind of said last night that he's going to have a lot of point guard roles and he kind of just let him run. You know, Porter Jr. is an imperfect player right now. He's still a little bit shaky as a shooter, but his playmaking and vision, especially in the open four, I thought was really impressive. Uh, And I think that he's the kind of player the Rockets are going to try to nab uh, in the coming months and over the next year, kind of guys who flew a bit under the radar might have had a little shine fall off them as prospects. But if Raphael Stone can kind of find a few diamonds in the rough, perhaps that can kind of accelerate a rebuild. So I thought it was a pretty optimistic uh debut there for Porter Jr.
1: You know, a lot of Rocket fans were were excited about watching Kevin Porter uh, Kevin Porter Jr. And of course tonight as well. And they they look at him, they think of James Harden. Um yeah, I see it, of course. It's going to take a lot of time, you know, because James Harden become James Harden until they came to Houston, which is probably with his fourth year in the league. So, I mean, this is Kevin Porter's second year. So maybe within what, what, three to five years, we could see something of him becoming a, a, almost a superstar. But We don't know yet. yet. So right now he's trying to work on becoming a star and you see it, but you want to see. More of him doing it on a consistent rate, which I think he can do. It's kind of funny how we got him for a second-round drive pick, and just a second-round drive pick, and that, that's all it took. And they got him out there here, and I'm like, man, this guy This guy is a diamond in the rough right here, man. And, and um, he mentioned last night on the Zoom, he was like, yo, you know, I'm glad they took me in because of all the, you know, all the rough spots I had and all the bad things. The bad solution I had in Cleveland, and these guys are you know treat me like family, which is pretty cool. and you know you got guys like John Lucas and, and steven Silas, those guys are in his, those guys are in his corner for sure for sure, definitely John Lucas, you read a story, you wrote a story over John Lucas and you've seen his stories and which honestly man, that story was awesome bro can we talk about the story real quick about John Lucas and yeah, yeah,
0: for sure, I'd love to. um yeah, I was kind of surprised that no one uh, really recently had had profiled John Lucas, uh, obviously kind of one of the more interesting and unique journeys, I think, across the NBA. Um, he was the number one pick in the 1976 draft. His career kind of ended uh, or was kind of halted unceremoniously uh, due to drug issues. But the kind of uh, suspension he had, I think it was in 1980, uh, really turned his life around. Um, he became sober. He started to Uh, help athletes become sober across the league and across all sports. He kind of really helped write the NBA's program for, for drug policy. Uh, And after his playing career, you know, he's been a coach and mentor across the league and the high school ranks and the, in the youth ranks for over two decades now. Uh, And the thing about John is, you know, it's really hard to find a player in the league who doesn't have some kind of relationship with John Lucas. Right. You know, I think uh, you see it before every single game, the stream of kind of opposing players that come up to him and dap him up. Uh, And he's really, as he called it, Uh, an elder of the NBA family. So it's a really fascinating story uh, that he has in his life, and I was happy to be able to talk to him, uh, be able to share his story because he's really been uh, an instrumental figure in the NBA for the last four decades or so. So it's really a story I thought was one of my favorites to do just because um, he's just such a joy to talk to, such a joy to be around. And you can kind of tell that joy is infectious with the players that he interacts with.
1: So in your opinion, man, how big is John Lucas for Kevin Porter Jr., man?
0: I think he's very important. I think really any that comes in here. Uh, John has an important piece. And I also think, you know, Kevin has had his trouble in the past. I think John can kind of take him under his wing. And I think that's something that's going to be really important here uh, for the Rockets. And it was important that they were able to keep John on staff in the first year of Steven Silas. You know, I know it's been obviously a very rough tenure thus far uh, for Silas and a rough year for the Rockets writ large. But I think Lucas's presence has kind of kept things from really spiraling out of control, so to speak. And I think as these young players come in, Lucas is still going to be relied on as a key piece. You know, I understand that uh, Coach Silas is the head coach, but I think that when you kind of look to the heart of the organization, it, it really is John Lucas. And I think that's an important thing.
1: Yeah. uh, John Lucas is, is, is huge for the Rockets in a way. And I mean, I'm glad he's there after, you know, reading his story and getting to know who he was. And you can tell all the players that have a ton of respect for him and they always giggle, laugh with him. And it's, and and it's really, it's really enjoyable to watch that in that aspect. And, you know, uh, Silas, back to Silas. He mentioned the, you know, the professionalism of Tucker and of course Gordon last night. And Of course, Tucker was more. He was more professional than James Harden was. Honestly, he still played the games, but you can tell he wasn't the same pre-Tucker he was over the last three, four years with the last three years with the Rockets. I mean, he was always averaging between eight and seven. I mean, seven to eight, if not ten. Every now and then, a uh, guy can get you probably 36%, 37 percent. Led the NBA in corner three-point shots. And his defense rating is the worst of his career, which is weird, you know? I mean, this guy's defense rating is always, what, below 105? And, you know, he's been snubbed a couple of times for first-team defense, if not second-team defense. And it's kind of sad to see how he is with the Rockets now, but you understand where he's trying his best. And and somebody mentioned today, James there, that's why he's not playing to his, his best abilities. But do you think if Peter Tucker goes to Brooklyn or Miami, you think his you know, you think he, you think he, he can become that player again? I mean, even though he's 35, he's coming down a little bit. Somebody mentioned when uh, the James mentioned saying that he's not a guy, but you can see Dam- guard Damon Lillard 48 minutes, but last possession. Oh yeah. Why not? So what do you think?
0: Yeah, definitely. I I, you've seen kind of uh, a Dequan <coughs> really across the board this year, but I don't think that's really indicative of a player you would get if he was in a winning situation. Right. I mean, this is all due respect to PJ, but he hasn't seen the most engaged this year. Uh, and life is hard when you don't have a superstar talent like James Harden. But I think if he were to go to a place like Brooklyn, Los Angeles, Milwaukee, you know, some of these destinations, I think you would see him re-engage and you would kind of see the player you've seen in the past few years. And he can be really integral to a title team. I mean, the Rockets have been close to a title team in, in recent seasons, and PJ's been a huge part of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that this year is really all that indicative uh, of the player you would see if he went to a better location and had uh, a team with kind of championship talent around him.
1: Yeah, that, that you know, it's pretty cool to see that, um, you know, that he was still professional, like Silas said. He, he 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 raved off of that. You know, he thrived off of that. He liked the fact that these guys kept the composure. I wish James... I mean, but I understand James... I, I gotta, I'm going to be honest about this now. I honestly see why James Harden did what he did now. Even though it was... It was ugly. The shit was ugly. <laughs> Granted, it was super ugly. You have to understand that if he played his MVP basketball, the Rockets would never let him leave Toyota. He would still be in Houston right now. And so, and he knew that. And so he said, like, "You know, I got to speed up the process." Kelly Eichel mentioned that the deal was basically done. The last, the, the, the last game. Uh, the I mean, the last time they played the Lakers, which was a back-to-back, and they got blown out both times. But they, me, mentioned that the deal was done. And that's when James was like, you know what, I'm going to let it loose to make sure these guys get the picture that I want the hell out of here. And I understand. But just to to go back to Tucker, you know, um, you're a Denver Nugget fan. You told me this before. So, I mean, is there any way, like, I'm not saying for Peter Tucker, but is there any way anybody on this Houston roster can spark an interest of getting Michael Porter Jr.? If not –
0: Yeah, I I think that's kind of iffy. I mean, I kind of think that the only guy that would make that happen would have been James Harden. Now, I don't know whether that was a situation the Nuggets didn't want to involve themselves in, whether they wouldn't get any assurances James would stay after two years. Uh, You know, I think that Ola Oladipo to the Nuggets is kind of an interesting proposition. I think he's a player that could help them, but I don't think it would be a trade involving Michael Porter jr. Right. I think Michael Porter jr. Has far more trade value at this point than Victor Oladipo who's having a rough season. You know, perhaps the Nuggets or the Rockets could get what Gary Harris and RJ Hampton for Oladipo. That's kind of a different conversation, but no, I think, I think Porter jr. He's having a better year right now. His defensive lapses um, are kind of few and far between after being so kind of prevalent last season. So no, I don't think that Porter jr. Unfortunately, uh, will be ending up in Houston anytime soon.
1: Yeah, man. I, 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 mean, I mean, that's a dream come true if we were able to get Michael Porter Jr. to Houston and watch him grow with next to Kevin Porter and of course Christian Wood. Um, that would be, you know, a nice deal. But I think Victor O'Dipo, I proposed him going to Golden to State, which we would get a swap for Kelly Oubre. Hopefully, we can grab Eric Pascal. But somebody told me it's impossible. I can see it happen, but I mean. You got a guy like Victor Odibo, just to get on him real quick, a guy that's still giving you over 20 a game. Um, he's not reliable. His shooting percentage is probably not the best this year, but he still is able to – he's still good enough to get over 20, which is, which is weird. Um, um, which he's not impactful, but he's a guy where you can have, you know, in that clay spot for – you know, just for his half a season and see where he goes. And then the offseason season will get tricky for the Golden State Warriors where We gotta figure out do I wanna pay Ghost, do I wanna pay Victor Odipo? How am I gonna make it work with Victor and Clay? And of course I got Andrew Wiggins here. You probably end up trading Andrew Wiggins. Um that makes it super easy. Um, but Kelly Ure to Houston, I see it. Um, but proposition, do you think Victor Depot can get that done in Golden State? If not, what player would you see coming to Houston from, from Golden State?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty, pretty sensible proposition, the kind of one that you outlined. I, I personally have kind of trouble gauging the Ola Depot market, right? I think that he's had a rough year. He is an expiring entering free agency. Is it team really gonna want to go out there and shell out kind of a nine figure, hundred million deal in the offseason? I'm a little skeptical for that. You know, the, the Rockets do have the option if they want to hold Oladipo through the deadline, then trade him in the offseason and kind of a sign and trade. That's a way they can still free up their cap space, get a pick back maybe in the offseason. Um you know, it's tough for the Rockets because I think when they acquired Old Depot, they thought they were going to be able to boost his trade value pretty consistently. And that's not really what's happened. I think it, actually it's kind of dampened. Um, so we don't know. I, I don't think it's kind of a fake complete or any kind of guarantee that he will. You know, be out of Houston by the end of the trade deadline. I think I might be a little more skeptical than some people. Uh, but whatever the package is, I don't think the Rockets are going to get some kind of massive headline package for Oladipo, which is kind of unfortunate for the franchise.
1: It, it is, and it, hopefully we can get something back. I pray we do. I don't. I mean, it's going to suck watching him walk, just like Tucker. I mean, Tucker would walk, um, but I think the Rockets will probably possibly buy him out if you can get Tucker and Ben McAdoo off your roster you can for sure, got to get Victor Deep off your roster. It's got to be, I think Raphael Stone's looking for a huge package like Hart. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, you know, the best way to get a huge package is for John Wall. I mean, I, I ain't going to lie to you, man. I'm opposed, you know, John Wall going to Denver for Michael Porter Jr. And then y'all be stuck in a win now situation. Hear me out. Y'all be stuck in a win now situation. This You get two years to do it. You got Michael Porter Jr. You got, I mean, I you got Jamal Murray and you got John Wall. You got a guy that can they can run around picks, play off the ball. You got a guy who can run the offense facilitate it, and get his own shots as well. Joke is in the center, of course. And you go from there. But I mean, John Wall, Denver, if not, do you trade him now or you wait to the summertime? And I think the Clippers would be a nice proposition for him in a way. If you get a three team, if you get, a, if you get a 13.
0: Yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. I think with Wall, my guess would be that the Rockets are going to keep riding this, this wall experiment. You know, I don't know how big the market is just considering how bloated his contract is. Right. And I think that he, you know, despite his absences and his injuries, which is a little frustrating, he's been a good presence. um, I think emotionally and mentally for this team, I think as a lead initiator uh, and a guy who, even if your team isn't very good can still kind of keep you afloat and not really make you much of an embarrassment. You know, if the Rockets can have wall wood, you know, free agent X and a high watery pick. That's not the worst core in the world. Um, so I, I don't really foresee a John Wall trade. I, I really still think the Depot thing is much more likely. Um, and obviously it's a lot easier to deal Oladipo as an expiring contract than Wall, who I think uh, after this year, still has two more guaranteed years of 35 plus million dollars, which is kind of rough. Um, obviously you might say, well, why did Houston do that? Well, it's the same contract as Russell Westbrook. So it doesn't really matter on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that Wall, despite, the injury was, is probably here to stay in Houston. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either.
1: No, it's not. I think John Wall would be a good point guard because, uh, in Houston for the uh, like next two, three years, if, not, if if he wants to stay here longer. But, I mean, if you get a guy like Jalen Suggs or you draft a guy like Kay Cunningham, Kay Cunningham, it could probably work out really well. Yeah, you, I love K too. Uh, yeah. Bro. Jalen Suggs would be a guy you got to trade John Wall. If you get him, you got to get him. I mean, you get any, I mean, Evan Mobley's there too. I mean, you putting Evan Mobley next to Christian Wood, I mean, that'd be nice too, and watching those two grow together. But I mean, my biggest fear is if, if, if we don't go to the playoffs or become a playoff team, well, Christian will Christian Wood leave? And that's scary because he's only here for three years and we're, we're backtracking. We're, we're supposed to be a playoff team this year, but injuries and COVID has been really hurtful this year. So, I mean, What's your optimism with, you know, for, of course, with Christian Wood coming back to the Rockets, you know, draft picks and, you know, et, et cetera?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look long term, this water is incredibly <coughs> important, right? So the yeah. Rockets keep their pick. If they land one through four, they're going to get Miami's pick, which is going to be in the late teens or the 20s if they don't. If they do get the pick, I don't think the situation's so bad, right? I'm pretty yeah. bullish on Wood. Uh, you're going to get a top four pick, which could be a franchise anchor wall is still a pretty respectable guy. You got some interesting pieces, Kevin Porter jr. Now, are we going to pencil the Rockets into the Western conference finals? No, but at least you see kind of a pathway to building, right? Kind of a pathway back to the playoffs. If you don't get your pick here and you have to seed it, you punch another year, it it could become kind of ugly, right? Because then, as you said, you would only have what, one year after next year left of wood wall would be an aging point guard. You still want to have that next kind of key piece for the future. So I think, um, the late May or early June, whenever the lottery is this year, uh, every Rockets fan should be glued to their television because it really might dictate the future of the franchise for the next five years. Now that that's obviously a pretty scary proposition, but honestly, it's the truth. Like the Rockets really, really need to get one of these top four picks uh to have a path to building back to the playoffs.
1: And do you think and you think this is why possibly John Wall could be sitting down, I guess, or I mean, even with John Wall, we're still losing. So I mean, unless I think if Christian if we were a winning team, I'm pretty sure Christian Wall would have been back by now of course and i'm pretty sure john wall would play and i'm pretty sure uh peter tucker would still be here till the end of the season and it's kind of interesting to see this talk to go back to tucker the rockets were trying to offer him two years 17 million dollars that's a good contract for him but this camp wanted 224 million dollars which i think you're which i think they're 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 pushing the grain a little bit you can't 224 i probably want 220 but uh because I love Tucker. I just love Tucker, man. Like who didn't love Peter Tucker in Houston? You you go around different stores. I worked a lot of jobs in college, so you know, man, you hear talk, you hear people talking about their favorite rocket. It's Peter Tucker. They love his grit. They love his grind. He, he, he loves he love he's oh he always mentioned he loved the city. You always heard good things about Peter Tucker and being being inside of Houston. But uh, you know, two years seventeen it was fair deal. Uh, him turning it down was you know was pretty wise right now. Uh, I think it was testing the waters to see how the team looked like. James left. I think he wants to be in Brooklyn, you know, if you ask me. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. Yeah, I think the contract, I think that two years and 24 for a 35-year-old guy, I think that was pretty a little rich. And I, I think that, honestly, the inflated price from Tucker's camp also probably stemmed from the fact that they might have seen the writing on the wall with James, right? And that if you want me to stick around on a bad team, you better pay up. is kind of the situation, right? If he thinks he can find $15, $60 million deal on the open market next year, well, then he might as well just do that and go to a better team if it's similar in price. It, it was kind of an unfortunate situation, but I really think once James was traded, PJ's days in Houston were numbered, which is really a shame because, as you said, you know, I think like James has been the best player, obviously, in Houston for much of this decade, but it felt like oftentimes PJ was the heart and soul of the team, right? In the yeah. heart and soul of the organization, he was their Iron Man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate ending, but I think once Harding was traded, it was one you really had to see coming.
1: Yeah, it was it was hurtful. It was it was time to wrap it up in a way I think for 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 that era of the Rockets, and it was cool to see that the up and downs. But we move on to now the future. Um, if you were the Rockets, and we'll go on to probably movie topic think after this in your draft, you had to just you one through four. You I, and it, everybody will be watching, like you said, glued to the TV to see where that ball drops. And so with the number one pick in the draft. If you get them one pick, who are you getting? Cade, Cade
0: Cunningham. Uh, Cade no, Cunningham. No, no questions asked. I think that, you know, I think there are five real legitimate guys that you can say, okay, this could be my franchise anchor, but I think that Cade specifically is on another level as a college player. I think he's probably one of the best guard prospects, maybe since John Wall to go number one, honestly. I mean, Luca didn't go number one, which is still kind of uh, shocking in retrospect, but, yeah, I think that Cade – has separated himself atop the class. I think if the Rockets fall in the top four anywhere, they should be happy. Uh, But if it's number one, Houston fans should be throwing a little bit of a parade here and partying in the streets a little bit uh, responsibly, obviously, with COVID. But um, yeah, yeah, I think think that Cade is the the undisputed number one guy here.
1: Okay, so we're going down to, okay, Cade, you lost Cade. All right, now, who would be your number two guy? I think,
0: you know, I I wouldn't necessarily say that there's a clear cut option. You know, I think that On a lot of teams' boards, Evan Mobley is going to be the number two guy, the seven-foot center out of USC. But I think considering the Rockets' roster construction, I'm intrigued by Jalen Suggs, for sure. I think Jalen Suggs and then Jalen Green on the G League. Jalen Green. Um, Both of those guards, I think, are really interesting. I think that the Rockets, if they get a top-four pick, will try to target a ball handler, a lead guard, especially because you understand that even with John Wall, it's not like John Wall is going to be the Rockets point guard in 2024 or 2025, right? So I think when you look towards the future, um, Cade and then those two guards, I would say, are probably the most likely picks. Now, the fifth guy that we haven't mentioned is Jonathan Kaminga, who is a very impressive uh, four, and you kind of could see him paired there uh, with Christian Wood. But I I would target Cunningham and then both Jalen at the top of my board personally.
1: That's awesome, man. Mike, you've been great, bro. So before we get to the movie topics, you have to give everybody the final four is coming up, bro. So it's really competitive. You went to Texas, of course. Mm-hmm. I know you watched Texas for Texas Tech. No matter if, no, I, know, I went to U of A. So, you know, my heart's in both, both teams. You know, I love Texas. I grew up, you know, watching Texas, of course. And so I'm, I was cheering for them last night, and they get on my damn nerves sometimes mm-hmm. watching them. And it's low-key. I feel like and Smart can be in the hot seat every now and then, but at the same time, I love them. But there's times where it's like, where what are we doing? Final yeah. um, uh, four, and then how far do you think Texas will get in the March Madness? Uh, I'll, I'll start
0: with the Longhorns. You know, it's a kind of thing where I feel like Texas either going to make a run to like the Elite Eight or they're going to lose in the first round. They're kind of like a boomer bust team. Oh. I, I, I'm not <laughs> saying that'll happen. Um, I'll have some faith. I'll project Texas to go to the Sweet 16 uh, and kind of losing a tight one there. You know, shock it's been. Uh, his first four seasons, they they didn't want to tournament games, so I don't think he's on the hot seat. But I think there is some frustration from Texas fans. But last night was an impressive win. They have some mm. senior guards, which is really important in the tournament. Um, as for the Final Four, you know I haven't really thought about that too hard, but I think that I'll take Gonzaga to win the national championship. Not exactly a uh, very bold prediction there, but I do think they are kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the field.
1: Yeah, that's the yeah that's true about Gonzaga. Everybody loves Gonzaga. They should win the whole damn thing. But it's like a team like that always loses. It never, it never, it never lets nobody down. Right. When You're like the number one, some team who's the, the 15th seed or whatever seed they are. Second round, first round, they lose. And it's like, what the hell? Are we, what, what were we doing? And if they lose in Sweet 16. It's like, damn, like I'll put you in my final four bracket, dude. Like right now in my final four bracket, we're going to start with Sunday, right? I got Gonzaga. I got, um, I got Illinois, so I got Michigan, and definitely I got between Baylor, U of H in the bubble, uh, Ohio State's in that bubble area. I think um, Florida State's also – I always said Florida State's in that bubble area as well too, um, just, you know, just to keep an eye on things. And, of course, you know, uh, you if you have to do an SEC team, don't miss – look up for Alabama and, of course, look up for Arkansas. Look up for those two teams. LSU is like – uh. But mm-hmm. you, would, you would like to see what, you know, Texas does. And, of course, um, mm-hmm. what's, uh, I never, I, Oklahoma State. I want to see what Kay Cunningham will do. You know, that's a guy that you got to watch out for who can, who, can, who can really break some brackets. And don't be surprised. I, I think they have a really good coach. So, I think if they had to go, as far as I think Oklahoma State would go, in my opinion, it would be the lead eight. And yeah. that's it. And I, so, I, that's.
0: Sleeper. I think they're a bit of a Final Four sleeper, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of sleepers in this year. So final four movie topics you picked. I remember I told you to pick an actor. So you have an actor in mind. Uh,
0: I'm a big Joaquin Phoenix fan. I think Joaquin Phoenix is. A oh, yeah.
1: OK, fan. that's good. That's good. Um, Joker's my, in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Joker. Joker was good. He's in a really great movie called The Master, which I really like a lot. Um, he's really just been a lot of my favorites over the years. So if that's pick one actor, it's uh, a tough question. But I will go with Joaquin Phoenix. All
1: right. Can you give us like. At least three to five movies Go. Uh,
0: I, I wrote some down here uh, We'll start with a recent one, Parasite I thought Parasite was absolutely unbelievable
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, As for a comedy, Old School With Will Ferrell, I love Old School It's a great one um, The Departed with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio Is a great one And Matt Damon is in that, I think um, My favorite is a movie called There Will Be Blood um, Which stars Daniel Day-Lewis It was about 2007 film uh, And last but not least, let's go on a family-friendly one Toy Story Classic, I don't some Toy Story. Yeah, uh, a Toy Story. So everybody's, five,
1: everybody's had a Woody and Buzz toy in, 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 yep. in the 90s growing up. Sure. But I I can't really give you five movies because that's like, that's impossible. I love them. But if I had to throw a movie in there, I would say Last Samurai is definitely in there.
0: Oh,
1: that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, Last Samurai is in there for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's do Wolf of Wall Street. That's a good one. I
0: like that.
1: Another let's, let's, throw, um, let's throw another action. Let's say, but let's do a Bad Boys. Man, mm-hmm. three, four was, no, we did three or two. Three was really good, but two was the classic. So we're going to do Bad Boys 2 in there. All right. I like it. I like it. Okay. So, and then my last two, and then um, this is, uh, how about Of All Time? Uh, you're going to make fun of me for this one, dude. but I can watch Titanic. That's the movie I can Ooh, watch. Okay. All right
0: uh full full disclosure i've never seen Titanic. I've never really
1: that's, no. that's, that's okay i've never seen parasites so that's all fair okay. <laughs> it's all fair
0: well uh maybe we'll do a swap and, and reconvene
1: this swap um and then there's a lot of good movies like you have to do uh if i do now i gotta do a marvel movie let's say avengers infinity war
0: okay very nice um <clears throat> You know, I think, I think the original Iron Man, I think the original Iron that
1: Man. Did, yes, that's a classic. I can agree with that one too. Oh man, that's, that, that is just, that is too damn good right there, bro. And you can also say Dark Knight too as well. Dark oh. Knight was, oh man, like that those two are tied. And then there's so many movies you can say on Marvel. Like you got the, uh, like Spider-Man's homecomings. You got the, you got the, um, what's the one with, he's hilarious, bro. The, the, uh, they're out of space goons. They're hilarious, bro. Um, oh. Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy, yeah, they're really, really those are some good movies as well I can't remember if Doctor Strange 2 come out, but just you know, that, we did our five pick movies and I feel bad because I think yeah, I know that the every, now, before, this is fun let just do one more <laughs> take for sports, alright, let's go sports five movies in sports, go
0: oh man, um, sports movies that's a good question, well I'm drawing a bit of like, I love Miracle okay, that's a great one, love Remember the Titans that's a very good one, yes, Miracle's uh, good too do we count Airbud as, as a sports movie? You I, can I, do, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. That's fine. I would
0: say I really love Air Airbuds as a kid. Those are great. Um, man, I'm trying to, you know, an underrated one, um, Invincible, the one about the that
1: was the, really the, good, the
0: yes. Yeah, I remember that one as a kid. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, I would, I would say those are some of my favorites that come to head right away.
1: You know what's really underrated? Moneyball. Oh, <laughs> Moneyball? <laughs> And that that helps you understand the methods behind trades and money, financial things, and GMs. Definitely in baseball because baseball finances is out of the – you cover baseball. That's too much for me right there, dude. <laughs> so I would say sports. Blue Chips is definitely in there. Space gems in there. Uh, Road, Glory Rose in there. That's my third one. Remember the Titans is definitely in there. And I said Moneyball, but just to make sure I get the idea of what I love the most. Uh man, Friday Night Lights. Oh, very nice. But yeah, that, was, that was good. We have to do sport with sport guys. So, but man, Mike, this was awesome to have you on here, man. Uh, this is Michael Shapiro, guys. Um, he covers anything in Sports Illustrated. Uh, Mike, you want to give everybody your handle and you know give everybody information.
0: Yeah, of course. You can follow me on Twitter at mshap2. Uh, you can find my work uh, most days of the week on si.com. And
1: this guy talked to Howard Beck. He's very popular. This is the, he knows he what he's talking about. And Mike, was awesome having you guys. Thank uh, you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you we going to even more this what it feels like. And this is what it feels like. And this is what it feels
1: like what it feels like.